This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 74. I'm Nick Howell. And bleeding from the eyes from watching too many episodes of Lucha Underground this week, I am Sir Ian dangerous I'm you can feeling, say you were busted wide open oh my eyes were busted wide open man i'm catching up on some old lucha underground to get prepped for the new season yes. and, and and for the fact that we may be doing the uh, lucha underground official podcast yes. uh so yeah i've been catching up on the old lucha underground and enjoying it but at the same time as i said that's a lot it's a lot of watching there's a lot of episodes there there are uh before we get into the show nick uh let's give out our twitter handles and some information about how you guys can can interact with the show yeah absolutely well first and foremost the show's a Account is at BWO Podcast over on Twitter. We definitely want you to come join us over there. Head over to Facebook and find us in the Facebook discussion group. Uh, just search for Busted Wide Open. You'll find us there. I'm Nick Howell. You can find me at Nick Podcasts. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me, shockingly, at Sir Ian Dangerous <laughs> on Twitter. Um, once again this week, dude, uh, let's talk WWE here. Once again, Raw was just a giant three-hour mass of cringe. Look, are with, you guys getting coming over to my side on this whole Nia and Ronda angle uh, yet? We'll, we'll, seriously, we'll get into that, buddy. Hold, I, mean, I, know, I know you're always slavering to diss Nia Jax. Well, let's wait on that for a quick second. Um, there were some you know, bright spots on Raw. We, we're not going to we're not going to completely bury the show this week. Uh, but, but SmackDown Live, I thought, was really solid once again. Um, all right, well, we'll get in and we'll talk about that. We'll hash that out. But uh, one thing we will agree on nxt was was great was great this week we, we will talk about that and 205 live where we inarguably inarguably had the match of the week and i would say already a contender for one of the matches of the year yes. i mean it was fantastic between buddy murphy and cedric alexander we'll talk about that later on the show we've also got to talk about the new japan uh best of super juniors tournament which is ongoing well uh, Will Osprey, as well as Taiji Ishimori and Dragon Lee and, and, and Marty Skrull and a bunch more guys. We have a lot to talk about with that. But before we get into all of that stuff, we got to go over and talk about the big news. 
Ben, we've got some big news updates this week with regards to the buyout, I guess is the word that you would use. Uh, licensing deals. The TV deals. TV deals uh, from both Fox and NBC for uh, SmackDown rights. Live and Raw, respectively. So we learned some new information this week. A ton. There was a Hollywood Reporter story that, that put a lot of information about how these deals went down out there. And we're going to kind of go over some of this new information that came out because there's a lot of really fascinating stuff about not only the details of these deals, but how they're handling them and then speculating on just what that means for WWE specifically and also wrestling as a whole. We get to talk about that as well. Um, Let's start with the information that we already knew. We knew that we knew that. Now, again, these deals are not final. We have to stress that. These are handshake deals at this point, um, but it looks like all systems are go. Uh, Fox came in. Uh, USA, NBC did, uh, did not exercise its uh, right to hold on to SmackDown Live. They Correct. only picked up Raw for a one-year extension of $235 million. Now, obviously, if that goes for five years, they keep extending that would be $1.35 billion dollars so a very big deal per from a, on a per year basis but fox grabbed smackdown live on a five-year guaranteed five-year deal for uh i believe it was 1.21 billion dollars yeah or one sorry one point it was 1035 or something like three it was it was it was not quite 1.1 billion it was 1.02 something like that sure. but it was uh yeah so it was it, it was huge it was he was a guaranteed five years so that is, those are the deals as we see them right now, which, uh, and in addition, SmackDown would be now, uh, starting in October 2019, SmackDown will be coming at you live on Friday nights on Fox, whereas Raw will still be on USA, USA. Uh, on Mondays. So, for one thing, that's going to throw the uh, schedule of our show in total shambles in a year and a half. <laughs> we'll, we'll, cross, we'll figure that out we'll by the time we cross that bridge. Hopefully, we're doing daily shows by the time we get to October of 2019. But yeah. that's up to you, listeners. Hint, hint, wink, hey, wink. Hi, uh, how you doing? Uh, also, that looks like Fox is going to be optioning some other shows, for, like for their for their secondary networks. They might, it looks like a studio show on FS1. Uh, who knows what other additional content there will be? NXT 205 were not on the table, so we don't know what those if they would be new shows. Or recap shows, or like main event, or something like of that ilk uh, on a secondary network for Fox. So um, this well, is this is basically coming about because of the the shakeup over on Fox. Rupert Murdoch kind of selling out, stepping back a little bit, letting the rest of his family take over, and they're redirecting their programming. They're calling it New Fox. They're moving away from scripted TV and going more into live uh, television, sports, news. Etc. And uh, WWE would definitely count as that, even though it is scripted. It's recorded live. It's it's considered a sports property. Right. So that's basically there. That's why they're looking at this now and saying we want this kind of content. Um, what they call DVR proof, but obviously, let's face it. At these these shows are not really. DVR proof, they're kind of DVR necessary with some of the length you get on these shows. Yeah. But I think what they're going for is the immediacy aspect of it. Yep. Uh, and that's why they're interested in it. So the big thing to come out of this is the line, the headline that Hollywood Reporter kind of led with, which was during this meeting where they put this deal together, the Fox deal together, um, it was interesting to note that Triple H and Stephanie were kind of the luminaries in the room. There's a lot of other WWE uh, personnel on hand and executives on hand for this meeting that went that went on, uh, as well as a bunch of Fox executives, including Rupert Murdoch, apparently being on on the phone line. Rupert Murdoch himself 
uh, for this meeting. Um, but it's worth noting that at some point in this meeting, and this is the line that came out, was that Rupert Murdoch said, NBC is embarrassed by your product, meaning the WWE's product. Oh, shit. That was his line, his pitch line to say, basically saying, we're going to take better care of you. Now, there's lots of aspects to this line, to this, to this getting out that we need to discuss. Oh, I have my speculations and my theories, but I'm letting you finish first because I want to retract on some stuff I well, said earlier in the year. Why don't you go ahead? I'd, I'd love to hear what you well, have to say first. I, I want to clarify some things. So earlier in this year, if you guys have been listening long enough, I, I shared that I had an inside source at Fox that told me that uh, they were going forward with Fox for both Raw and SmackDown. So it was it was shared that I mean there were graphics packages being built, there were teams being built, there were all kinds of stuff already being built for both shows to be able to handle the programming for both. Now with that line of Murdoch saying NBC is embarrassed by your product, this is pure speculation on my part, but the way I see this going down is that NBC came in with a last minute offer because if you look at the numbers of this, Fox came in with a 1 billion dollar 5 year deal for SmackDown Live. And I would guess that there was probably more to do with that. But at the same time, there had to be Fox, I mean, I'm sorry, there had to be Raw and SmackDown on the table at the same time because you don't start doing the kinds of things I heard they were doing at Fox if there isn't something, like people were getting paid to do things as if it was already a done deal. So what my theory is here is that Fox had both of them in bird in hand. It was there, like Fox had them, and somehow NBC, somebody in NBC pulled a big enough string or wrote a big enough check to come in and go, no, just let us keep Raw. We'll 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 do one more year extension with an option to continue, and then it got to the part where Murdoch says, no, you don't want to do that. NBC's embarrassed by your product, trying to sway them to come back to Fox. Okay, well that's my theory. Let me counter that okay. with really quickly because. Um, there's a couple of issues that you were that that you're not quite on there, and that one of them is that NBC legally had first right to renew, meaning that Fox could not have taken either show if NBC had exercised its option. But I don't think they were initially. No, they were planning as though they were going to get it because that's what you do with business. Okay, and you basically you make yourself look like the better option. Uh, so that you're the first person that they go that WWE goes to if NBC does not exercise their option. Amazon, Facebook were also in this discussion. There were other people, other people in the room uh, vying for WWE's product. Fox just wanted to be the first place they landed. Um, the reason that Murdoch put this line out, and let's be clear, this line did not have to come out. This is absolutely a publicity move. Mm -hmm. For it's, it's, totally, it's him throwing the finger to NBC. And the reason for that is because now there are these two properties at these two competing entities. And that means that if basically if Fox treats WWE better, they're going to WWE has then the possibility of treating SmackDown as a show better than raw. So they're making a power play uh, for this now that they have their hands on SmackDown, essentially pitting the two networks against each Correct. other. Correct. And so that's why it made sense that Fox would basically make a nice pretty nest for this bird to land in uh, should NBC not renew its uh, its contract, gotcha. which it only did. It only renewed one of. And even then it, you know, it, it made it gave him a fantastic deal for one year. But uh, this is also going to, it's good for WWE to have this out there because now when they go back to the table with NBC, they're going to have Fox over their shoulder, you know, breathing heavily, and that's going to make NBC nervous and possibly give them more negotiating power with NBC. So this is a massive power play back and forth here between all of these big players. Um, it's also worth noting 
that when they went into this meeting, according to Hollywood Reporter, there was a, a TV, and on the TV was a giant projected image of, uh, of Ronda Rousey holding Triple H up, giving him, you know, in a fireman's carry at right. WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. It, it, which shows not, it was them kind of tweaking Triple H because they knew he was going to be there. Um, but it's also them showing that Ronda Rousey is a big part of their negotiating deal here. She's absolutely someone who they got. Um, whatever she's doing on their show is, is next to irrelevant. It's the fact that they have her and they can put her out there. Her mainstream appeal, the fact that you know they can leverage her uh, uh, her image uh, to a mainstream audience, and Fox can then take that and run with it. Um, so that may be, that may be why we're seeing Ronda getting hot shotted towards the title right now because of all these things going through, um, the aspects of Ronda's image that, that were particularly appealing that the network executives could sell to the, to the other people, uh, on the staff, as far as her, you know, being uh, a woman, uh, the multiple other, uh, interest groups like the UFC people and, and all, and Hollywood and everything else they can then point to and say, WWE has this person and they can sell this person to bring eyes to their product. She's a massive part of that. So let's not understate the impact that her, uh, uh, being acquired by WWE is. And I don't think WWE is underestimating that at all either. No. And I think as a, I think fans can underestimate that, but you're absolutely right. From a business perspective, it is a massive bargaining chip to have someone of that caliber, uh, on con under contract, you know, under your under your palms, and also, you know, to to speak more to the the line about um, NBC not not you know they're embarrassed of your show. NBC is notoriously not very supportive of its own shows, unless you're football or unless you're the Olympics. You don't see a whole lot of cross brand promotion. You don't see a lot of commercials for their own stuff. You don't see Mister Show getting blown up on all their other networks. Uh, you know, you don't see WWE really getting blown up on a lot of their other networks. So it's not like this is a problem they strictly have with WWE. They're really not good at promoting their own shows. So if Fox is coming along to WWE and sweetening the pot by saying, hey, we're really going to push the fact that we have you guys, man, that's appetizing to WWE in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, it is. Um, and this is, and here's the thing. There's two other aspects I really want to look at here. And, and one is how this happened, for one thing, because... You know, 20 years ago, the idea of WWE, WWE being fought over by these massive mainstream uh, corporate entities as a viable and profitable product would have been mind-blowing. It was still kind of sneered at and thought of as lesser entertainment. You know, it would bring in numbers and, and sales, but it was also like, well, it's not family entertainment, quote-unquote. Yeah. And a lot of this has been the the positioning of WWE that Vince has done Arguably, since he started calling it sports entertainment, um, arguably, arguably even before that with rock and wrestling, like him trying to get it into the mainstream and then realizing that all the different ways that his product wasn't appealing to everybody and rejiggering the product and changing it. Um, you know, you could argue how we got to the PG era, whether that was the flashpoint was Benoit and everything that happened with him or if it was a corporate decision or a combination thereof. But you can argue how we got to this point. It's definitely been Vince steering the ship um, or, or the corporate you know, entity that he created, steering that ship to this point. And then all of this happening at exactly the right time. Their contracts coming up at exactly the right time when these networks are, were looking for this kind of content and them being able to provide it. It's the right place, right time scenario. But it, we wouldn't be here if Vince McMahon hadn't said, okay, 
how do I do this? It's almost another example of my uh, my Goldilocks metaphor I like to use. It's well, I think coming from the Attitude Era, it was steered way to the left, and then go, swinging the pendulum all the way to the PG Era was a little bit too much. And bringing it back to kind of this middle ground where it is right now, they've kind of hit this sweet spot over the last ten years, and it's this it's this wonderful. You know, it, it, something else we were talking about before the show also was look at how much the WWE and even Vince McMahon himself has re, uh, has influenced all other wrestling outside of the WWE. Well, this is an aspect I want to talk about too: is how other wrestling promotions are going to be looking at this. You have, I mean, the next closest thing, and it's still you know it's apples and asparagus really, but it's still worth talking about. Ring of Honor is uh, in a partnership with Sinclair Broadcasting Group, and there's a merger going on where they might get acquired. And you might, even though they might uh, be doing, I believe, some sort of like uh, direct opposition to Fox News, like another conservative news outlet yeah. kind of thing. Like that's what they're they're, they're going to be gunning for. Yeah. They're well, still going to need. They other, do all the local affiliates. Correct. So yeah. they're going to need to uh, have other product on there, and because they're associated with Ring of Honor, it's possible they could Ring of Honor could end up on oh. WGN. I should probably clarify that real quick. By the way, spoiler alert, kids! In case you didn't know, all of your local news comes from one source, and it's called Sinclair Media Group. Well, if you didn't, just saying, if you hadn't seen the meme where all of the local news anchors were saying the same script, yes. yeah, that's yeah. But anyway, sorry uh, to spoil it for you. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome to welcome to the modern world. Right. But uh, before we get off on that tangent, um, no, there's there's other there's other there might be a hunger now seeing that that these two companies spent this much money on this kind of product. You can absolutely speculate there's going to be other wrestling companies that are going to look at that and say, hey, we don't necessarily have the production value, but, you know, we could get there if you give us money. And people want a bit to take of an a arms race, maybe for all the different promotions that are. Out I mean, there. I, I know that TNA tried to pull that off back in the day, and they came pretty close. They just didn't have the right management and the right foresight to pull it off, and a lot of bad things happened. But uh, you know, they're kind of rejiggering now, and who knows where that'll end up? Billy Corgan with NWA, he's definitely trying to build a legitimate product there. But, but he's, he's been very clear about he wants to go like streaming exclusively. He wants to just be online. Starters, but I think if somebody came and offered him half a billion dollars for for NWA, he'd be stupid to but turn it as down. As I just said, Amazon and Facebook exactly. are both interested. Exactly. So who knows what might happen with that? New Japan wants to make inroads in the U.S. This could be an absolute watershed moment for the rest of the professional wrestling world when it comes to public perception and corporate perception of this product and and how it's how it's how they could sell it how they can make money off of it so the the implications of this are vastly far reaching it's actually why we wanted to spend so much time with this in our big news segment because there's a lot of stuff to think about here there's a lot of things to kind of chew on and there's a lot of aspects of this that we're going to be talking about the ramifications of for I mean, years, Yeah, years. This is going to be an absolute flashpoint moment that we'll look back on and say, oh, that time when WWE made those huge deals and all the ramifications that happened as a result. Five years from now, this might be one of our big turning point topics that we talk about, right? When we're still doing this show. I mean, this this could be the... I mean, yeah, we're talking about doing that extra little show. Yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the turning points, like going back and looking at wrestling history, like the big turning moments. Yeah, five wrestling. years from now, we'll look back on this day. I mean, this, this episode is I would absolutely one of use this as like the epilogue to how Vince McMahon changed the business. You yeah. know what I mean? All the different ways he did that. But anyway, uh, we can do that another time. So yeah, so there's a lot of aspects of this to to look at and and wrap our heads around. The bottom line is in a year and a half, uh, the WWE world is going to look quite 
different, whether that means SmackDown Live will be the primary brand, whether that means that there will be uh, a rejiggering of which superstars are on which shows. Um, these guys, Fox made it very clear that they're interested in John Cena as a, quote, A-list superstar, which I thought The Rock was an A-list superstar. I don't know if John Cena's there yet, but uh, in the wrestling world, certainly. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. About as an on-air personality or a, a, yeah. a talent personality, absolutely he is. I don't know about the movie world yet or anything no, like that. No, not yet. But. Not yet. But at any rate, so it's there's a lot of aspects. He hasn't of done this. enough shitty B movies yet, uh, like Rampage and you know Jumanji or those Baywatch. All, those made ridiculous amounts of money. Even he's Baywatch, in right? He's, he's at that point now. They're not shitty movies. They're, they're John Cena hasn't movies. made that last step yet to make to be able to pull in money for absolutely god awful films. Yet. Well, he's he's not really headlining the big ones. Yet. Anyway, we're getting down the yes. John Cena rabbit hole. Not, but that's another another topic for another day. Uh, you stop that. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that is that is our big news for the week. We will obviously be coming back to this topic a lot over the next months and years. 18 really. months. Yeah. Well, so, what, my, my big concern to kind of tie a ribbon on it is what is this going to mean for the fans? What is this going to mean for us? What is it going to look like for how we consume uh, WWE content? What is it going to mean for us podcasters in this community, how we communicate, what is going on in the wrestling business? I think all of this in the next two years is going to get completely turned on its head, and it's going to be a very different landscape, but I'm, I'm primarily focused on how's it going to be as a fan to be able to consume this when these two networks are at war with each other. Well, and I th- well that's for sure. The, the How they're going to position the two different shows yeah. is going to be fascinating, but uh, as far as how... WWE creates its product. I don't think that they're going to change that much, but there's aspects of that that is, I think, deleterious to like the actual product itself. And that's something I want to talk about. But in order to talk about that, we have to discuss some topics coming out of Monday Night Raw. We continue the inevitable build towards Money in the Bank. We're now down to three weeks left. Uh, include if you uh, this is before weeks if you include this week, but three weeks until Money in the Bank. We kicked the show off tonight building more towards it with Braun Strowman. And it's more of a reflection of the match last week with Finn Balor and how he squashed him as a bug. And when he gets in Money in the Bank, he's got six other guys that he's going to squash like a bug too. And blah, 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 Braun Strowman stuff. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Like you've said before, he might be the most over thing in the WWE right now. Uh, Him or Seth Rollins. Sure. Um, But... Kevin Owens comes out and has something to say for him. Of course he does. Because he's Kevin Owens. Because he's Kevin Owens. uh, But so does Finn Balor. Finn Balor also has something to say. And Finn Balor ends up uh, getting in the ring and saying, look, I I really want to be the top guy again. Like, it's bugging me. So I'm going to win Money in the Bank. And so there. And Braun Strowman calls him a little guy. And Finn slaps the taste out of his mouth. Yeah which Braun doesn't like, and he throws him a million feet across the ring. I mean, kudos you know, for, for a little guy to have cajones that large is, well, uh, is impressive. Well, right. let's look at this. Let's look at it this way. All right. So first of all, I love the chemistry between Strowman and Finn. I love okay. the fact that Finn is able to sell Strowman's big strength moves and look like, you know, makes, make Strowman look like a monster by tossing Finn around. Uh, and in the match they had at one point, he, you know, the, the, the Braun Strowman running over people thing is officially a thing now. It's yeah, not just I Kevin Owens. It. And I, 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 I love it too. Like it's, it's a great, uh, crowd popper. And this time he hit him so hard. He threw him into the audience, like over the barricade. <laughs> awesome. But, um, but that's the thing. Finn can take those moves and make them look great, but still have that baby face grit coming back and fighting back against him. Um, and in this match, you know, having Kevin Owens on commentary and, and kind of calling out to both guys and egging them on. Um, and then at the end of the match, when Finn's about to do the double coup de gras on Braun and possibly beat him, 
Kevin Owens gets involved, breaks up the match, and then runs away, grabs a ladder, which Strowman, by the way, in a great strength spot. Kevin Owens is running up this, this ramp, and Strowman throws this ladder like 50 feet. Like halfway up the ramp. Like he barely missed Kevin Owens. Like had Kevin Owens not stopped. Or he rolled out of the way to, yeah. to, to dodge it. Oh, it was crazy. It was a great, it was, that was a, that was for me, the highlight of raw. Anytime they do well, stuff like that. Anytime they throw stuff from the ring, like big chairs or ladders or anything like that, tables, whatnot. I'm always scared. Like what if they like misjudge their strength and like throw it into the crowd? What if he had thrown that giant 20-foot ladder into the crowd and, like, taken out some kid? It'd be something like Brock Lesnar ripping off a car door and throwing it into the audience and hitting a dude. Yeah. Remember like that? that? Like Remember that? that? Yeah. yeah. That was good times. That guy didn't sue. He just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I wonder if Seth ever got his Cadillac back. Uh, I doubt it, but uh, we'll talk about <laughs> Seth in a bit because there was a little callback to the Seth Rollins of old on this show. Yes. But uh, so, yeah. So Kevin Owens is kind of the workhorse of WWE right now. He can talk. He can he can work in the ring. They had him all over this show tonight. This was the Kevin Owens show. He was doing commentary for this match. He then tried to escape out the back. Kurt Angle says, no, you have a match later against Bobby Roode. You ain't going nowhere. And then so Kevin Owens had a match against Bobby Roode. Here's the thing I want to talk about. These all these guys are, are interacting because they're all in the money in the bank match, uh, along with the Miz, Rusev, uh, one of the New Day and uh, someone else who we'll talk about on SmackDown Live Ooh, we'll get, when we get there. Foreshadowing. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, we'll tell you then. Don't worry. But um, these guys are all interacting because of that. Here's the, my problem is that Bobby Roode kind of got short shrift on this. He's, he just looks completely boring. And in the, at the end of the, the whole thing, you know, Strowman comes out and, and murders Kevin. And Bobby Roode is uh, behind him cheering until Strowman kicks his ass. And I, I don't know. Rude looks like the kind of the odd man out in this whole thing because they hadn't put him in a suit and turned him into a dick heel yet. <laughs> Look at what they're doing well, with Big okay. Cass over on SmackDown. That's exactly what they need to be doing with Bobby. Rude. That's the easy mark answer, but it's also like like working with what they've got is it what I'm saying. Amazingly in NXT, and they, s- they keep trying to change stuff when they bring people up, and it well, messes everything up. Sometimes they have to be just eh. to, you know just to make the pieces fit. Look, the bottom line is is just with what they've got, how could they have done it better? And in this particular case, I just feel like... It, I don't know if they could have. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I was. I just... I feel bad. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting a whole lot of the, the star quality from Bobby Roode. I'm, it just didn't... It didn't quite... I hate to say this. It didn't work for me. <laughs> it didn't, just didn't work for me. But, oh. yeah. So, I don't want to get huffy about it. But should uh, should overall, Braun Strowman win Money in the Bank? Let me no, ask that. No. Absolutely I don't, not. I agree with that. I absolutely don't think he should not. Either. Absolutely not. And right now, they're positioning him as kind of being the unstoppable guy in the match. Um, Which is kind of a way of telling you he's not going to win it. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I really <laughs> hope that's what they're telling us. He doesn't need it. No. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, as a booker, as a promoter, which I've never been, you know, call a spade a spade. I've never been. But I've certainly studied enough booking and promotions to have an opinion. I applied to WWE twice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, that might say something about what they thought but of your... I, they ghosted your, me. I never yeah. heard anything back. Bastards. But... Uh, but <laughs> Sad story, Nick. A sob story. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, so here's the thing. Obviously, like, we're, we're not bookers. We're not, we're not promoters. Right. Um, but much like movie critics, a lot of them have never actually made a movie. We can sit here and say, well, you know, but here's something that it's not working for me as someone who's watching it. And I have enough inside knowledge to be able to have some sort of basic opinion on it. And I, I can say with, with a certainty that money in the bank, the, the briefcase should be given to somebody who a needs a push and B you could see one day being champ, but not necessarily by any other means. 
If you know what I mean. I like, like that criteria. It's a way to get somebody the championship who you couldn't book into the championship otherwise, or or it would be difficult to book into the championship otherwise. Yeah. And for Braun Strowman, you could plug him into a feud with Brock Lesnar tomorrow with almost no explanation, easily. You would have to explain the hell out of Finn Balor, how the heck he qualified. I mean, the only thing you could use is, oh, uh, he was the first universal champ. He never really lost it, blah, blah, blah. But you just have to work. It's tired by now. You'd have to work for it. Yeah, it's been too long. Uh, Rusev, who's also in the Money in the Bank match, you'd have to build that. The, the, the bottom line is, is Strowman, of all the guys who's in that match, probably needs it the least. Yeah. So he's the guy you don't want to put it on. No. In my opinion, he's, I, he's I just always there see to it as some kind else. of like wily little heel that would, like you said, would never be booked into that position in the first place. Carmella was almost like the perfect archetype of that. Like I get Seth she, Rollins when he had it. Seth Rollins was the way that they it were book, booking Ziggler. Seth Rollins at the time was perfect. Uh, Ziggler is another one that's just kind of perfect for the for or, a money. Or bank. like if you look, Ambrose at, is another good one that's wily and crazy and just you never unpredictable and CM all of those Punk, things. Who needed that push to the main to the main card? You know what I mean? Eh, so he's fifty fifty for me on no, that I'm one. I think like, he was good enough to. to but not, where he yeah. was at the time, he yeah. needed that extra push yeah, yeah. to get to the main event. Post Nexus, so, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. What I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, no, Strowman should not win money in the bank but as far as uh, money in the bank goes we got to talk about the women's money in the bank as well and that we had a gauntlet match to determine oh, i have a question for you yes. do you have any early favorites for the uh, men's money in the bank now that we have all eight in there is there anybody that stands out to you let's wait till smackdown live because we need to talk about the last guy to get involved in it Good first call. Good call. Uh, so yeah moving over to the women's money in the bank we had the gauntlet match where the uh it was like the last chance gauntlet match where all the women who had uh, lost their chances previously got to face each other one after the other. Now, we just had a men's gauntlet match recently, and I think it's unfair to compare the two because the men's gauntlet match went for, what, an hour and a half? Oh, the, two you know about the thing where Seth Rollins went for like uh, a, bajo- a bajillion Forever. minutes? Yeah. This, this match, this whole gauntlet match, went for a third of the amount of time Seth Rollins was out there in that match. <laughs> yeah. Just Seth Rollins alone. It, it, you're right. It's not fair to compare them. I will say, though, I enjoyed this immensely. Uh, it was one of my favorite things that went on this week. I always love like gauntlet-style matches just to to see that true grit of a, of a fighter come out. And this one was no different to me. I, I agree. It's There is no comparison between the two. And frankly, that in and of itself is unfair that they didn't get the same amount of time to work. But it is a difference in kind of the roster and the number of superstars and all and of those the, things. And the quality of match they're able to put on. Sure. Here's the problem is the women's roster does not have the depth of talent That's as far I mean. as in-ring work. And yeah. that was evident in this match because, you know, they, the right squad looking like a bunch of jabronis with the exception of Ruby Riot, yes. who we'll talk about in a second. Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, uh, Liv Morgan especially, but she got squashed by Bailey on the first move. Bailey One Bailey to belly. Yeah. So belly to Bailey? Belly, Bailey to belly. Bailey, belly to Bailey. Bailey to belly. Whatever. One thing, one, two, three, she's done. Yeah, so that was, then that's the first one. And then Sarah <laughs> Logan comes in. Uh, she gets beaten by Bailey. They both beat down Bailey, uh, who then is weakened going into her match against Ruby Riot, who takes out Bailey. Bailey's gone. So once again, thanks for coming, Bailey. Thanks for playing. See ya. Yeah. Uh, and then Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan still kind of look like basically, you know, kind of like the Singh brothers for Ruby Riot. at this like enforcers. Point. Yeah. Enforcers, but useless enforcers, really. It's a shame. Um, if, I like Liv Morgan. I, I'm a fan of hers, and it's. I think she's she was good in NXT, and she's going to be good here. But this, this whole thing where they're bringing them up and they're forming these like threesome faction things, 
I'm just I'm but not a fan of it. She didn't even get as much work as Dana Brooke did, who came in next. Oh yeah, and, and it got, was good to see Dana wrestling again. Good to hear her th- entrance theme again. All of that stuff. So here's what I liked: was Ruby Riot got a nice shine in this match. Ruby yes. Riot went through Bailey, who was injured, but fine. Bailey, Dana Brooke, Mickey James, and then she got Sasha Banks at the end. So. Uh, and gave her a hell of a time. Gave her, and by the way, best part of this match was the chemistry between Sasha Banks and Ruby Riot. Fantastic. Really good stuff. I hope that they actually have a proper feud. I'm at this point, I'm much more into that than I would be into Sasha and Bailey because they've bungled that, stop started it uh, for the last few months. Like, at this point, I'm more into the Cena and Nikki Bella feud than I am the uh, Bailey and Sasha feud. You so. shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Um, no, so th- I, I enjoyed the end of, I enjoyed the finish of this match too. I enjoyed, um, the, Sasha trying to get the bank statement on the riot squad coming back, beating her down and then getting the right, the, the bank statement right back on Ruby riot, forcing her to tap, made Sasha look good. Ruby went through four women on her way to, to tapping out to Sasha Banks, So she stays strong. I thought all of that was, was fine. Yep. Um, just overall was not like, just not as good as it could have been. Been Fell and short one it, step. Just yeah, just came across a little bit flat on on the whole. At this point, the only thing I took out of it was I want to see Ruby and, and Sasha do more together. Well, I, I was really excited uh, coming out of Royal Rumble. If you guys remember back in January, I picked Ruby Riot to win the Women's Royal Rumble uh, it, because I, I thought she was going to get that kind of push. But at the end of the day, it was uh, I, some of the matches we watched last year with her and Nikki Cross and her and Asuka. And I mean, I just, we saw Ruby Riot really ascending to be there. And there was kind of like that one step that was missing to get it. And I think she finally found it, but they threw her into this thing with the threesome with Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. I am really excited to see this kind of work coming out of Ruby Riot. I think she's going to be fantastic once they break her out of that three party mold that they have going on. And it, it's, I'm very anxious to see not only Sasha Banks, but just her having other singles matches. Yeah on the roster. I think she's going to be fantastic. I think the Riot Squad is holding her back at this point. I 100% as, as agree. As, from a creative standpoint, I think yep. it's holding her back. Um, but speaking of being held back, let's let's do it, Nick. Let's finally get to the part of the show that you have been dying to do ever since last Monday, and that let me, is... Let me stretch. Okay, let me get, get ready. Let me crack get some ready, knuckles. Get and, ready. Oh, okay. uh, take a drink of your water here. You're going <sighs> yeah. you're you're to need it. Yeah. I'll set you up for it. So this week, we had a continuation in the build towards the inevitable confrontation at Money in the Bank between the women's uh, champion, the Raw women's champion, Nia Jax, and the superstar, Ronda Rousey. So what we had this week was, I guess, an exhibition match where Nia Jax had a local talent in the ring, a local judoka, uh, and wanted to make an example of how the armbar, the Ronda's famous armbar, would not work on her and in doing so she uh she the, she let the lady get her in an arm bar she then picked her up and power uh, power bombed her to show how it wouldn't work on her and right. then proceeded to just beat her down for a while right all the while talking smack to ronda rousey who was up on commentary so i i will set this up and then let you go and basically i will set this up by saying uh nick is it bizarre and or uh incomprehensible that Mere weeks after coming out of a anti-bullying angle with Nia Jax, where she was the bullied person and she gave a horribly like scripted, but, you know, very strongly worded anti-bullying speech after beating Alexa Bliss for the championship, beating the bully in this feud, Alexa Bliss. Is it just insane to now have Nia suddenly turn into a bully in this feud that they have suddenly built 
with Ronda Rousey. The only explanation I have for it is that they are just they are they have turned the Titanic of the WWE into Ronda Rousey, the the giant iceberg that she seems to be right now. Uh, for whatever reason, that it's I don't know I, I know why because it's because money everything can be boiled down to money. I, I want to call something else out too that I thought was pretty clever. Nia Nia's entrance was on and she was halfway down the ramp and they just cut the music and cut Ronda's right on so she could come out and sit on commentary. Nia reacted pretty well there by that just the interruption of sorts, right? That was fine. I, I enjoyed the I play thought, on that. I thought Nia was pretty good this entire segment for what, with what she was given. But looking at the whole picture of the thing, I can't. I've not been imbe- invested in either of these things. One, the champion doesn't challenge a challenger. Just. just what I think it could be sold to be done well on the number two on the red carpet at some event that they were both attending and she just walked up on her like where is the rest of the of the women's roster at uh, this point I real quick before you before you go any anywhere else with that the the champion always cha- like that happens a lot actually where you say I know who I know what my next opponent to be I've been watching New Japan all year and Kazuchika Okada has challenged half of the people that he's fought this year because that's it's a whole thing is like I got no one else to fight how about you how about you that is a thing and it, it can be booked well so that it's interesting this just got hot shot ladies nowhere. and gentlemen sir Ian Dangerous just compared Nia Jax to Kazuchika Okada I just <laughs> want that on record I, I think we might have to end this podcast. It's been nice knowing all of hey. you. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, to go back to Nia and Ronda, I... Just because they both do sentons don't mean they're the same wrestler, okay? Uh, th- there's no saving this, in my opinion. It's going to have to run its course. It's like a freaking virus. You just have to ride it out, and it's going to be... And it, whatever happens, happens. It's At this point, it's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns 2.0. I don't give a shit. Let's do something about it and so we can all move on. Well, here's the thing. I, I need to look at this in a way to... I'm trying to comprehend it myself. And as we said at the top of the show, this is absolutely getting Ronda to the top of the card as fast as possible. Agreed. They're already like the 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 promo materials and the video materials and the video packages they're putting out are already obviously built for mainstream audiences. Hey, you know who Ronda Rousey is? By the way, here's this chick Nia Jax. Look how big and scary she is. Ronda's got to fight her. If you don't watch WWE, now you're invested because of these packages, and they had to turn Nia heel real quick to make those work to make her look like a big scary monster it's unfortunate because of how fast they had to turn her um and for people who watch long term it's crazy to watch it doesn't make any sense and it it totally messes up the storyline but here's the thing this is one of those angles that's absolutely built for the short-term audience this is absolutely built to bring people in who haven't watched a whole bunch of wwe and this is the first thing they're coming in on and all they're going to watch is this match and you're just going to show them a promo package of what happened in this really quick four-week feud that's all they need to care about so for people who've been watching it for a while, we're sitting here scratching our heads and saying this is nuts, but that's not who they're going for here. Yeah. And this is going to be a recurring theme on this show where I talk about, well, this particular segment is for a different crowd than this particular segment. This is the crowd for the hardcore. This is, this is the segment for the hardcore wrestling crowd. This is the segment for the new crowd. This is the segment for the kiddies. And there was definitely a couple segments for the kiddies on this Monday Night Raw. But that's absolutely how they're breaking down the show now is into different demographics almost. Like these are the different segments for different people. And you might cringe at one segment but it's not for you. They're not doing, they're not trying to get you to watch this. They're trying to get other people to watch. Well, they know I'm a, the long-term people that have been watching it long-term are still going to keep watching it regardless. Exactly right. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's happening with this particular angle is, you know, did, did, did uh, Naya tap out to Oscar's arm bar not two months ago? Yes, she did. You know what? Mainstream audience is going to remember that. And we can bitch and moan how this whole arm bar nonsense makes no sense. Cause she just tapped out to an arm bar. But that's not going to matter. 
to anybody who's going to really give a crap about this angle. And we're going to be here after this angle's done, no matter what. So doesn't matter if we don't like it. I, I tend to like David and Goliath type of setups where you have, you know, you could it's akin to the Daniel Bryan thing, fighting against evolution and all three of them, whatever. I like challenges for facey faces. Uh, but at the same time, there is no build. There is no story to this. I think they could have done a good job with this. I think if they had given it a good, you know, two months, uh, build it towards SummerSlam, something. No. But just to flip it, just like that, after we just got done with the whole Alexa Bliss bullying angle. Did you did you not hear what I just said? Like I, I did. They, 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 don't, they didn't have time. I understand. But that's the thing. It, but it, it could have been, been good. Oh, sure. It could have been good, but it's not for you, Nick. Well, it's not it's for not me because I don't like Well, that's... <laughs> we all know that, don't all we, All right, fine. Well, well, we'll leave it at that. We'll yes. move on to another segment who I, I don't know who this next segment was for. Uh, they basically... This was the apology segment. This was the... We're sorry for putting on some of the worst pieces of TV seen in recent memory. I can't believe we're having to talk about this again. Yeah, well, it's going to be real quick and we're going to move on because <laughs> there really isn't much to it. Sami Zayn came out and literally apologized for the awful, awful Lashley segment with when he brought out the three guys dressed as women uh, pretending to be Bobby Lashley's sisters last week. And he straight up said basically what the online community said to him, uh, which was basically screw WWE, screw you, Sammy. This is all absolutely awful. And the writers basically went out there and made Sammy take the heat for what they did to him. Which man, I felt bad for Sammy saying he's doing the best with it, but they're they are crucifying this poor guy with this angle. And Lashley's not getting out much better. He came out and basically told Sammy it's okay. Uh, we, me and my family thought it was silly. I'm just gonna beat your ass at Money in the Bank, and that's gonna be that. And at the end of the whole thing, they went to shake hands. Bobby Lashley crushed Ke- uh, Sammy Zayn's hand until he was squirming on the ground, and that was. The segment. Um, I'm cool. <sighs> I'm cool with not seeing anything else between these two until they have their match at Money in the Bank, and then we can all just move on and forget all of this ever happened. I just want to see Bobby Lashley beat the shit out of people. It's not too much to ask. I don't want to see him in cute hats and headbands, smiling and, and like smiling. high-fiving people for crushing Sami Zayn's hand. And yeah. I just, it's there's nothing, nothing, nothing his, good his, about this. His smile is weirder than Finn Balor's big smile big cheesy smile it's just it kind of creeps me out a little bit and and there's a part of me that kind of digs that i like when people have that that kind of power over me to give me that feeling but at the same time it's it's goofy it's not like some kind of evil powerful kind of yeah, it's sneer the you know? standard wwe smiling baby face thing uh, and it's it doesn't work with some people and this is one of those instances where yeah this is i i i I wish I could say like with the Naya angle, I know what they're trying to do there. I get it. I, okay. I don't like it, but I get it with this man. They, they, they went for something and it just sucked and there's really no way out of it. They're just going to have to keep eating this crap pie until they're through this. And you know, the audience is not buying it either. It's just, no one's liking this right now, but what they are liking is some Seth Rollins. They are loving some Seth Rollins right now. And uh, he came out to interrupt an Elias segment this week. Elias was in the ring, running down the crowd as he does. Brilliantly. And uh, every, Richmond, every, Virginia. Every time. Can we turn the house lights down so I don't have to see this dirty-ass town or whatever it was he said? <laughs> uh, Seth comes out, interrupts him, kicks him out of the ring, and proceeds to have a... God, he had a good match with Jinder Mahal. It was, a, it was great. I was entertained. I, you're chewing your fingers over there. Yeah. 
That's Jinder Mahal. It, well, it's 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 another instance of what do we always say on the show? Certain superstars and ring generals, if you will, yeah. have a way of elevating other superstars when they get in the ring with them. Right. AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, you, Triple H. You could set, make an argument for all. No. Of, no, oh, come on. No. Anyway. Seth Rollins is definitely one of those ring generals that can elevate anybody that gets in the ring with him. And he absolutely elevated Jinder Mahal to, yes, I agree with you. Gen, that might be one of the better gen matches I've ever seen Jinder Mahal have. And it was, and what the, what the great thing was is that the psychology was still there for a gender match with Sunil Singh always jumping in and getting involved until Seth got too frustrated and got himself disqualified. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to be careful with the face of having him do these heely things like hit dudes with chairs or lose their temper. But in one of these situations, if the heel is played really well, as it was in this match, where they just make the, the face so frustrated that they have to lash out, yeah. it's really fun, and it really gets you even more invested behind the face. And that crowd was hot for Seth by the end of this. Uh, he, you know, he chases the, the Sunil and Jinder up the ramp after he gets DQ'd, hitting Sunil with the chair. Jinder goes running off. Seth's all frustrated. He gets up on the announcer desk and starts, you know, rah, rah, with the chair. And then Elias comes out of the back and crushes him with a guitar, knocks him off the announcer's booth, knocks him off the stage. Uh, br- Through tables or such, something. Uh, yeah. Just great, violent, intense, hard moment, surprising moment. A uh, lot of fun. My God! It, yeah, great. The, the whole, this whole segment was one of the highlights of Raw as well. Just lots of energy. Uh, and you know, I don't think Seth's feud with Jinder's going anywhere. Jinder's got a match with Roman, who was not on the show this week. There was no Roman on the show this week. Hmm. You know um, what else wasn't on the show? The tag team division. Well, no, they were on. They, they weren't the, on the Hulu. They, the entire that's tag where we've team gotten division. To, ladies and gentlemen, the, the entire tag team division doesn't even make it on the Hulu cut anymore. Well, hold on, real quick. I just want to say <laughs> I, I'm I'm very into a Seth Rollins Elias feud. Yeah. I'll, oh I'll, yes. Okay. Oh Seth yes. Rollins versus his final form his his super saiyan yes. elias uh i'm fine I'm, yeah i'm all, all gonna, day all in okay let's talk tag teams so if you watched the hulu edition you didn't see any of the tag teams and that may be a good thing because the two tag team segments we did have this week we had a match between the deleters of worlds and uh uh the ascension and that was not a great match. The best thing about it was Michael Cole on commentary continuing his online Twitter feud with 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 uh, with Maxel King Maxel uh, Matt Who? Hardy's Matt Hardy's son. Oh, Matt, oh, okay. yeah, Matt Hardy's what three year old son? Right. Uh, he's feuding with him on Twitter. Um, that wow. was that was the most entertaining part of it to me. But then we also had the uh, B Team Barbecue, which um, remember earlier when I was talking about how some segments are for the kids. Yeah. This was for the kids, and uh, I actually online saw a page from the WWE script get leaked out for this segment, and they pretty much stuck exactly to the script, and uh, it sounded scripted, and it was scripted, and it was freaking god-awful. It was basically the B-team inviting all the other lame-ass raw tag teams who all look like jabronis, inviting them out to a barbecue in the ring. And then saying, "Great, you all have all of our food. Let's let's make little jokes about what you know the bow dogs and all this stuff." And then, cool. So you're all we're all cool right now, okay, guys? We're all cool together. Cool. Well, we're gonna go to the head of the line to be the first team since we're undefeated to challenge the deleters of worlds. And of course, everyone else said, "What are you talking about, Willis? Rabble, rabble, we're rabble, 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 rabble. We're not into that." And then, food fight because Vince loves a good food fight. Great. There's, that's there's a history in WWE of loving food fights for some 
freaking reason. And the only reason I can think is because kids love food fights and they love seeing adults have food fights. This is basically just a, you know, stupid straight to video comedy uh, on our WWE TV. This was absolutely for the kiddies, but here's the issue. It makes the entire tag division look like idiots. Yep. Like complete. No one in this segment looked like anything else, but a complete idiot. Hey, no where, one, where's AOP? Uh, where, where are the monsters that we've been anxiously awaiting to come up from NXT? Thankfully, not a part of this looking like idiots. But they're nowhere to be seen, and neither is Sanity over on SmackDown. I don't know Smackdown. what's worse, to be so, honest, <laughs> well, at this point. I'll tell you what's worse. What's worse would be being in this segment and having beans poured over your head, and then, you know, like Rhino, basically taking a kick to the gut, bending over for 15 seconds until someone decides to slam you through a table. That, that would be the worst thing. So... Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, there's a tag team battle Royale next week. I don't care. You yeah. buried the division. Uh, I don't care. The only possible tag team thing I'm interested in right now, Drew McIntyre had a match against Chad Gable again. Why was this not on the Hulu edition? I don't know. It, because it sounds amazing. It was pretty damn good. It was pretty damn good. It was nice and vicious, hard hitting some good moves. Uh, Drew McIntyre picks up the win again over Chad Gable, completely clean. Claymore is the crap out of him. Um, and there was some discussion on commentary about Chad Gable needing a partner to face off against Drew McIntyre mm. and uh, Dolph Ziggler. I wonder who that could be. Who would Chad Gable possibly team up with that might be coming back to Raw next week's off of injury? I don't know. Guy name of Jason Jordan? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, hey, American we'll Alpha coming back together. I, I would like to see Jason Jordan going back into that great heel character that he was, but I also... Would totally be down with American Alpha reforming. And if they actually got a decent push. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't want them to be yet another raw jabroni tag team that we've, we're overrun with right now. Well, but this is the thing is if we have, you know, five tag teams that all look like idiots and we have three or four legit ones, then we're back to raw from six months ago. We can actually get some some halfway decent tag matches. You know, so, I will say this to close, to close out the tag stuff. Um, I was down on the whole Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy tag team thing, but the more I've thought about it from the positioning standpoint, these are arguably two of the greatest tag teams and or factions that have been in the WWE in the last 20 years between the Hardys and the Wyatt family, right? Okay. And, and the combination of the, the leaders of those two groups is kind of a cool thing. It's a little meta in a sense where you're bringing the two. The, yeah, it should be. It should be it that way. Sh- on paper, it should be. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just not delivering. And now we've got the entire Raw tag division chasing these two guys that are have kind of lost their have shit. Have done nothing and creative had nothing for them. And right. that's the problem is that yep. they didn't. They had a lot of options with them and none of them are happening. Uh, another place that there was a lot of options where they did pick up the options was over on SmackDown Live. Well, just when I thought I was about to get my dream match between Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe, WWE had to come in and ruin it. Oh, come on. This week we had on SmackDown Live, we had a nice buildup. Samoa Joe opens the show and just kind of tears the house down and says, I'm going to kill all y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in his own way that he does so yeah. brilliantly. <laughs> not not like a Southern gentleman like you just did, basically. No, no, no. Okay, well, real quick, if you really want to see some Samoa Joe Daniel Bryan, I have some ring of honor to show you because okay, like I said last week, you're not going to get that in WWE. You're going to get something, but you're not going to get that. So but if you I wanna, want it! Uh, wham, boo-hoo. All right. <laughs> well, the reason I think why you're so upset is because it, we didn't get Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan because at the top of the show, 
Samoa Joe comes out, grabs a briefcase, and says, come at me, bro. Daniel- Has that ever been done before? I've oh, never yeah, seen anybody climb up there and take the briefcase down yeah, before the happened, event. It's happened a couple of times, and okay. it's, but it's just Samoa Joe looks really good doing it because yeah. are you going to take that briefcase from him? But, uh, oh. but he started running down Daniel Bryan's family, which is great because out came Daniel Bryan. He got legitimately, like, you felt like he was pissed off. He's he, Daniel Bryan's a great uh, actor in that sense. Um, so that was a great stare down. And then who should insert himself into this feud but the angry orange himself, uh, melted test. Big, <laughs> big Cass. Big Cass comes out. And, on a crutch. Uh, on, on a crutch. Yeah, well, initially. Still selling the injury. <laughs> it, apparently, it wasn't that bad because he didn't have that crutch too long. Comes down to the, uh, comes down to the ring and announces that uh, I've actually been medi- medically cleared. Wham! Hits Samoa Joe with a crutch. Yep. That was probably a bad move. You don't Probably. hit Samoa Joe with a crutch. No. And well, we ended up so we ended up having a match. The the match that was supposed to be Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. Like I had been looking forward to this. We all initially week. were supposed to God. have Big Cass versus Samoa Joe. What? But, no, yeah, it's going to be Samoa Joe Daniel no, Bryan. Daniel and I, we we talked about giving, uh, giving this away on TV. Would you stop? Two weeks ago, you had remember before the injury, you had Samoa Joe give the little selfie promo where he says, "Hey, Big Cass, you're in my way. You're my next target. I'm going to take you out." And then Cass got injured, and that got scrapped. And okay, instead, sure, yes. Okay, so then we had Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe get built. Yes. So then, surprisingly, Big Cass gets reinserted into this, and now it's a three-way Big Cass, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, which I will be completely honest, on paper, I was not excited about, and it sounds like you were let down because you didn't get your Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan one-on-one match. Yes, temper tantrum, boo-hoo, woe is me. I still think I'm going to get it at some point this year. I think, I think you I will, think this is a this is a roadblock. Uh, but it's something that we're still. That might be a SummerSlam dream match kind of setup. Don't worry, there'll be a there'll be a fast lane through your roadblock straight to uh, Great Balls of Fire. But uh, no, no, I think <laughs> I think that I I have to say this match was way better than I thought it was. I, I, I thought I thought it would be. I and I was actually somewhat impressed with Big Cast this week. He played all of his roles very well. Whether it was being on the mic, setting up this match, being a, the big guy in the match. His heel work, his in-ring work. Um, I think that he and Daniel Bryan one-on-one, there was still a little bit of stuttering and like getting the rhythm. But with the three guys and the rhythm of that match, it worked a lot better for Cass's strengths. And so it made him look a lot better. And the rhythm of the match was fantastic. And I'm going to go on record and say I loved the finish. With with Daniel Bryan uh, uh, kneeing Cass into oblivion, going for the cover and getting pulled off by Samoa Joe who then puts him in the coquina clutch and puts him to sleep. And Joe is your final entrant in Money in the Bank, and it looks like we'll continue to have this Daniel Bryan and Cass feud. I didn't see this coming, I'll be honest with you, because much like we've made the case for Braun Strowman earlier on Raw, I think Samoa Joe is one of those that you can plug in uh, in just about any title opportunity and very quickly build a story for him to go in and do that. So I did not see him being the last entrant. I thought it might actually be Cass sneaking in. No. Sneaking into the Money in the Bank match? I thought so. Really? Yeah, I did. Because we made this argument earlier. Daniel Bryan doesn't need it. Uh, Samoa Joe doesn't need it, just like Braun Strowman doesn't need it. But I think Cass, it, it looks like he's getting a big push. See, I don't think I don't think it's black and white necessarily. I think it's different tiers. I yeah. think Braun Strowman really, really, really does not need it. I think that like <laughs> okay. the next next level down, if you're looking at really, people really. in this match who like who like they don't really need it, but it couldn't hurt. Miz and uh, and Samoa Joe okay are the ones who I would love to see them with it because man, you could get some good TV out of it. Um, they don't need it as badly as, say, Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, 
uh, or one of the one of the new day. But uh, but yeah, I think that it's I, I could see him get it and it being entertaining as hell. Can you imagine Joe the way he's selling himself now with the briefcase? It'd be a lot of fun. It would be. Uh, there's others. I, I've I've kind of already made my pick, so it's a matter oh, okay. of okay. Um, and for be, because reasons, right? We still got three weeks to go, and I I've, I'm already calling my moonshot, but. Uh, we'll talk about those one of these days when we get around to doing our picks. But no, I I don't think Joe needs the briefcase. Could it be fun? Yeah, it's yeah. arguable. I wouldn't be mad if he got it. Uh, yeah, uh, I wouldn't either. To be moving, honest. Moving on, let's talk about uh, another match we had tonight, which uh, which was Nakamura versus Ty Dillinger in essentially what was a build for a last man standing match. Nakamura is now obsessed with uh, with counting. I'm, I might call him Count. Nakamura now. One, two, three. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, 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 yes, I count to ten. I love to count things. Uh, he basically just kept trying to knock Ty Dillinger out in this match and get a ten count. Um, my only nitpick was he finally went for a pinfall victory. And after he did, then he Kinshasa'd him in the back of the head and counted to ten and kind of celebrated in his weird Nakamura way. I, Why not have him actually knock Ty out? And in the match and get the 10 count showing that he, I like the fact they're showing off he's a striker and that his strikes are deadly. It's what they should have been doing since day one mm-hmm. on the main roster is making Nakamura look terrifying like this, mm-hmm. but really go for it. Yeah. Let him knock out Ty. Like I love Ty, but let's face it. The dude is, the, you know, he's in lower, lower mid card land. He's, he's in enhancement land. He's the new Zack Ryder. Like he's someone that oh, he's the someone on. he is. He's someone that everyone kind of likes. Like, oh yeah, Ty. He, I dig him. Never freaking wins. No. Nope. So that's basically where he is. Have Nakamura knock him out. The only thing that I that I felt weird about with this, and I, it was a little bit uncomfortable because when he was backstage before the match and he was throwing the papers of ten, and I'm like, oh no, did they not think this one through? Because he's kind of got like a first grade level English um, oh, come kind on. of thing, and and they're showing that now he can count to ten, like a some third grader learning Spanish or something like that. So I, Nick, that's where I start getting a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going, oh guys, you didn't think this one through? Come on. I, I, I think that was just you, dude. I, just me. That was just you, listeners. You have to weigh in. Was Let's that just weigh, me or, or you guys? On that let me is, know. Is is Nick's white privilege showing right now? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh God! No, but okay. So it was at, at the end of the day. This was a fine segment. It built it, the last man standing. It was one hundred percent a promotion for what a last man standing match is. Yes, it was nothing more than that. Absolutely great to see Ty on TV again. But that's sorry, Ty, and it worked. Yeah, that's at the end of the day. That's really all we're commenting on here, as far as when we break down these matches. Did it work? Did it not work for us? And and if it doesn't work, will it work for somebody else? Can we see why they did it? And in this case, it wasn't one hundred percent there, but it was good enough. And it was fine. Uh, something else I thought worked was the New Day versus Miz in the bar. That was a fun match. You're kind of going to be on your own on this one. What? I didn't. I, it was okay. It, it was. On. It just. It was fine. It was. <laughs> I. I, I was better I, than ninety percent of Raw. I don't like the bar. I, I just. Oh, I, I can't no, get there. Nick. I just don't like the bar. I. No. I love the Miz, and I would love to have seen Miz in a singles match with one of the new members of the New Day. That oh. would have been enough. What are the bar doing since they got embarrassed by the shield and, and Rollins and Ambrose and whatever went down with that stuff earlier in the year? It's just, they've been kind of pointless. And I mean, they got their titles My taken heart. off of them by Braun Strowman and a six year old. Yeah, you know, that, it's a that matter. Sucked. 
it, it's just it's like that's how much they think of him, and now they're the new Miz Taraj. Like that's what WWE thinks about him. You are now enhancement enforcers yeah. for the Miz. You, you Congratulations, have a, you former have a, tag you team have a champions. Point. You have a point. I do not like how they're being portrayed for the last few months either. I really don't. But my God, as performers and as personalities That's and fine. as superstars, yeah. I love them. So, so are I'd, Bo Dallas and, soft and Curtis spot. Axel. Yeah. I yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're nowhere fine. near on the level of these two guys. Nowhere. <sighs> that you, could be you, Did you just compare Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel to Cesaro yes. and his work rate? Yes. No. Get out of here. Wow. Them boys can wrestle. Bo, Bo, can, Bo can wrestle. Curtis can wrestle. Cesaro is... Pound for pound, the best wrestler in that company. Arguably top two, top three. What? Yep. You heard me. 100% disagree. Wow. Okay. okay. That's a, that, okay. that might be a special bonus episode. Well, Cesaro? Cesaro. Really? Cesaro is absolutely one of the most underrated guys. No, if not... No, From no, a position he, of strength? I is, give you that, but He no. is the most underrated guy on any one of the WWE rosters. Most underrated. <sighs> most underutilized. Most underrated. Period. Hands down. I'm sticking to that. Listeners, let me hear your thoughts on that. We got to weigh in on that. I'm calling Cesaro as the most underrated wrestler on both rosters. I, see, I, now you put me on a spot. I, don't, I, I have to think about it. Okay. Well, you think about I'll it. I'll think about we'll, it, but by the we'll time come we back post to it this. up later. Okay. Yeah, we'll, come, we'll come back to this Woo! real quick. So we're not, <laughs> yeah, not going to know who the New Day is going to pick for Money in the Bank until Money in the Bank, Big E. But uh, the thing is, they're, they continuously tease on this, Big E. Xavier Rhodes. And uh, um, Xavier, Xavier Rhodes? Is that what Xavier you just Woods, said? I'm Xavier sorry. Okay. I was wondering, I was like, did Dusty have a kid I didn't know about? Xavier Rhodes. <laughs> Dusty saw some strange roads in his travels. We were uh, talking about Cody before. Okay, but here's the thing. Big E pinned Miz in this match. Big E is going to Money in the Bank. Just calling it right now. I think that was a was a little a little hint. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Oscar versus Mandy Rose. Speaking of surprises, I yeah. this you know I mean well done Mandy Rose. Uh, I didn't know you had this in you. Actually, I kind of did. Yeah. There's a thing going on. We were talking about Ruby Riot over on Raw earlier and how some the you know the Riot Squad has been holding her back to an extent. I actually think that there's an argument for both Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose being held back by being in this kind of comedy duo pairing of sorts. Uh, go always doing things together, but I understand that they're travel buddies and they do all the everything else together as well. So it's a matter of how do you split them apart. I think ultimately they do get split apart, but we got to see an exhibition with Mandy Rose going up against Asuka. Like that's that's and it wasn't it like doesn't Asuka, get much bigger like, than Asuka. No, and it wasn't like Asuka was carrying her. No. Mandy definitely did her part too. It was yeah. a, it was a it was a solid match. And you talk about underrated strength. All of that oh, stuff. She's strong. As Mandy hell. Rose is is yeah. legit. You guys. Um, even though she did lose here, and Carmella ends up jumping of in course. the ring and, and making fun of Oscar. Yep. But I, I just a quick thing, man. I gotta say, I I'm I don't know how I feel about Mandy Rose's entrance. It makes me feel all squidgy in my nethers. Like it's one of those things where if I was a kid and watching this, it'd be and that was on, and my mom walked in the room while I was watching this. I'd be like, No, mom, no. What are you watching? What is this? It's just <laughs> what is a, this film? She's just getting to the ring, mom. She's just trying to get in the ring. What this hussy? I, I yeah, it's it's are weird. Are you watching WWE again? <laughs> no, just porn. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, I, I don't know if I'm all for it. It's, I like it kind of, I, I don't know if she picked it up when she was teaming with gold dust in the mixed match challenge. Like it's a little gold dusty, but it's yeah. also a little, uh, uh, all red everything. I've already tried to forget her name. Uh, even Marie, it's a little bit that she who too. shall not be, she shall not be named. My, my, apparently my brain is one step ahead of me. It's like, no, you don't, you don't no, know no, her name. No. You forget that. 
Uh, anyway, so yeah, overall, good segment. Not mad at this all. Hope to see big things out of Mandy Rose. And frankly, as you said, Sonia Deville, they just need to pull them apart more. Yep. Um, speaking of being pulled apart more, uh, speaking of segments, not necessarily for our demographic, Nick, although maybe for some, maybe for some people in our demographic, there was a dance off for some reason between Naomi and Lana, uh, this week. Yeah, there wasn't that much to, uh, to go on here. And it, for some reason, I think is the best way you said it, but I got to say, I was entertained. Uh, well, that, then there you go. Okay, so I, it did its I, job. You know, Gladiator, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained by your sports, sports entertainment? entertainment. I, and- I was entertained. Yeah. This could have been tr- a lot worse. This could have been utterly tragic. Now, what Agreed. I will say about it is it feels weird to have the former multi-time SmackDown Live tag team champions in the Usos be kind of... I don't know, coming in as comedy sidekicks behind Naomi. I mean, like it feels like they're goofing off and jumping around behind them. But at the same time, on the other hand, I'm really liking, I'm liking the dynamic of it. Yeah. Once again, though, you have Rusev day out to support Lana and they're working heel against the Usos. So right. apparently that brief, brief face push with Lana working face last week is gone. And now Lana's back to being a heel. Uh, ends up, uh, I believe it was a neck breaker or something. She put on Naomi at the end of the dance yeah. off and they, they were dancing a, together. Or and something, then yeah. there was a big kerfuffle and you know, the Usos and, and Naomi stand tall, blah, yeah. blah, blah. The, um, so it's just weird. Rusev day once again, like they can't figure out what to do with them. It's but, like, was this rocket science? And now we're getting a match next week, apparently with Lana and Aiden English tag teaming together. Yeah. What? We'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, this, this is all up in the air for me. This segment was not the worst thing I've ever seen. As you said, it, it's not, it wasn't that bad. It's just lots of questions coming out of this. Where are we going with this? What in the world are you doing with new day or with new day? With, sorry, with the Rusev other day. day, the other day yep. with Rusev. There day, is no other day. How could every you, day is Rusev yeah, day? How, how, how do you not know what to do with them? Good what God. What is this new day? I don't know. But, uh, uh, one last thing we need to talk about in the show. And this is one that, we could have passed over because it was kind of a nothing thing and just we could have said, okay, so Cien Almas and Sin Cara are going to have a feud. Right. But there was one aspect of this that I thought was particularly just a quick just aside on. I know we're kind of running here, but so Cien Almas comes out of his dressing room and gets accosted, for lack of a better word, by Sin Cara, you know, puts his hand on his shoulders like, hey, buddy, remember, we used, yeah, we used to be friends. We used to ride together. How you doing? And Cien Almas kind of gives him a look. Selena Vega comes up and says, why are you touching my client? Get off of him. He doesn't know you. Who are you? Yeah. Screw off. And Cien Almas looks at him and says in Spanish, that's the last time you're ever going to touch me. Yeah. And they walk off. The thing that I thought was interesting about this was Sin Cara saying that he and, and Almas had a history. Because they don't. And while you, you know, would assume you, Mexican Lucha Libre, they all know lineage. each other. And I think that's kind of what WWE was shooting for was like, ah, they're Mexican. They're Lucha Libre guys. Right. They all know each other anyway. Screw it. Um, well, <laughs> here's the problem. <clears throat> um, mm. So dear and- WWE, Andrade Cien Almas <laughs> did all of his time pretty much in CMLL where right. he worked as La Sombra and he started Los Ingobernables and all that. Right. I still can't say that. Mm. I'm glad you can. I, I've, I had to put some work in on it. Yeah. Um, he never crossed paths with Sin Cara because he was a triple A. Correct. Now the last guy who played Sin Cara, um, he did cross his path. That's that's the interesting thing. So the last guy was Wait, uh, the Sin Cara is not the same Sin Cara. There's two Sin Caras. There's uh, Luis Ignacio Uribe, who uh, he's also he was also Mystico. 
and um, and he and he's currently down in CMLL as Caristico, and okay. he was the initial Sin Cara, and he ended up getting kicked out because one, he didn't know English. Two, he broke a finger one time in a match and then called the match instead of just working the rest of the match. He had a bunch of problems with guys backstage, lots of issues. Well, he wouldn't last too long in the temple. Uh, New, no. so he, <laughs> so he got uh, so he got you know kicked out. And uh, this other guy who used to play Hunico and previously uh, worked in Japan, uh, Japan, excuse me, in Mexico in AAA, uh, he then became the new Sin Cara. So. That's the thing, is that it, the original Sin Cara, yes, he has worked with Andrade Cien Almas. The current Sin Cara has not. So that was an interesting aspect of this little story I thought I wanted to point out. Yeah. Um, that maybe they're trying to, like, merge the two people's histories together somehow, or they just don't give a crap, and they're like, they're luchadors. They know each other. Shut I, up. I honestly, I don't think the mainstream audience really knows that their Sin Cara has been more than one person under the mask. It's just well, been an evolution didn't. of the gear. I didn't know you that. Didn't, apparently, no, I didn't. So shit, learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, the current guy's name is uh, Jorge Arias, and uh, before that, yeah, he worked as as Hunico. So what do we take away from this? Other than smashing some jobbers, that's kind of all we've seen out of Cien Almas so far. Uh, what does the future look like for him? Do we know anything at this point for I, him going into Money in the Bank? Quick feud with Sin Cara, I imagine. Let them work lucha together, and then build him up for something else. I'm okay. not. I'm not mad at this as a no. first as a first major feud. I think it's a good. That's yeah. a good plan. Good way to start. All right. Well, guys, that's it for the main roster action this week, but we've got tons more to talk about over in the wide world of wrestling. All right, so we're going to head first over to NXT, uh, where they're building for TakeOver Chicago. Man, I was excited for this this week. Uh, yeah, this was this was definitely a show that we had some some early rumblings about before we watched it, and uh, it, it, I think, delivered on a couple of things I was not expecting it to. Yep. Uh, it did kick off officially announcing that Gargano Ciampa 2 will be a street fight and all the different aspects of that that's going on with uh, Candice LeRae kind of disowning her husband on this, saying he's becoming the thing he hates. Um, what do you think? Is this the blow-off match, a street fight? Usually a stipulation for that kind of thing. I don't know. I, I mean, Seems I could too soon. see it ending. Well, we thought the last one was too soon, and there's definitely more more gas in this tank. Oh, so yeah. um, with the Candice LeRae aspect of this, I'm kind of wondering where they're going with that or if that's just kind of grist for the mill um but uh yeah Did she turn on johnny and go over to champa's side oh my <gasps> god you you stop oh. that would be that would be insanity uh i wouldn't put it past wwe to do something like that though. i mean if they want this angle to run i mean year, the guy running nxt stole and married his wife and took her to vegas drunk to marry her so you never know <laughs> you never know what's and, gonna and, happen and then had to come out on her wedding day Right. To tell to show her the video of it. Damn it, Ted. Oh God, no, that wasn't. Defend Ted. your woman. Uh, he tried. Yeah, <laughs> he, he tried. Boy, he looked like a jabroni in that angle. Anyway, oh, did. all right. So that's that's happening. We also got to talk about the fact that uh, Alistair Black this week was confronted by Lars Sullivan, who uh, who basically said, "You ain't ready for me." Cut a really like old school 80s 90s style like early 90s style promo yeah, like, the only thing missing from this was mean gene okerlin that was really, the, the perfect kind of promo it was it just was he nailed every aspect of this really old school promo and you don't want to know why you're not ready for me because it was perfect um but then he goes and they start getting physical alistair goes for the black mass lars catches it with one hand and gives him the freak accident power slam and we're off and running for the main for the main event match at takeover chicago 
Uh, I that's gonna be an interesting one because I'm, I'm, I'm twitching. I'm, I'm just like trying mm. to remember if either of them have ever lost in a singles match, and I don't. Alistair f- has. I think they have. Didn't Alistair lose to Velveteen Dream once no, in a singles he match? Beat Alice, he beat Velveteen. I know they had two or three matches. I thought there was. No, he, a- beat, he won that entire feud. Okay. Okay. Um, I only think Alistair's lost in a multi-man match. We'll have to check on this. Okay. Yeah. To be to be continued. Yeah, I want to figure know, out, listeners. I want to figure out. Well, yeah. Who if if, if this is going to be a for breaking their undefeated streak, yeah. um, you know, in singles matches. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We also had uh, a match between the Wall Waiters. Wall Waiters! <laughs> it's uh, War Machine. It's War Raiders. It will un- never not un- be War Machine. Uh, well, it looks like it's going this way. Uh, they defeated a couple of jobbers, George Hickson and Cody Vincent, in a squash match. They continued to look dominant in the tag division. We had a match between uh, EC3 and Fabian Holy crap, Eichner, who uh, is right now, I'd say, the hidden gem of NXT. Uh, I'm still not 100% behind EC3. Uh, I love his... Not feeling it yet. I love his facial expressions. I love his selling. I love his uh, promo work, but his in-ring work still still not quite... There for me, my favorite got part a little of this, back knee going, so I'm wondering if he's uh, going to get tested for WWE's oh, wellness for policy. Crying out loud, That's, you never know, guys. But those are telltale signs. I'm just saying. Nick, Nick is studying him very closely. Like Ginger last year, you know, how mm-hmm. the hell did Ginger get Ginger Ginger? How the hell did Ginger get away with that last year? We'll never know. But it's it's. I hate NX3. I'm not really onto this. I mean, he comes from a great career of wrestling so far, but I I expected more. The, uh, the best honestly. part of this match was Johnny Gargano who was supposedly not supposed to be at NXT this week, coming out in the middle of this match, walking through the crowd with his contract signed, slammed it on the announcer's desk and said, I'm signed up for this, and storms out, and both the guys in the ring kind of going, the hell? Just like, so from the pure white meat baby face perspective, he just could not wait yeah. to get his name inked on the contract to get his hands yep. on Tommaso. Love it. Brilliant. The heat they're Absolutely building for that is just, is just nuclear. Like, I'm going to storm in the front door full sail arena with my contract and slam it on the desk. And like, then the 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 period in the end of that sentence was Fabian Eichner doing a massive dive off the top turnbuckle to the outside in EC3. Yep. Uh, EC3 picks up the win. Not surprising there. Fabian's still in building mode. It's okay. Um, the, the, all someone else who's being built to the moon is we had a, that we had the Bianca Belair segment. Last week, we talked about how they were promoting, hey, next week, get to know Bianca Belair. And we were gun shy because we had just seen the Bobby Lashley get to know Bobby Lashley segment I'm still scarred from Bailey this is your life last year night and day night and day this segment got me so hyped for Bianca as if I wasn't already they did such a good job with this Bianca came across as I mean you could make her go heel or face after this she came across a little heelish because she got very cocky and kayfabe at the end Um, but it was still one of those things where they could turn her either way with this segment brilliantly edited brilliantly put together she looks like it looks like they're finally going to put the uh put the pedal to the metal with her good and they should um good segment with her is working face against lacey evans would be a lot of fun just putting you that with out lacey there. evans and anything listen listen i you know good competition that's what i'm really about i want to well, say one thing about this because we were comparing it before the show to the bobby lashley segment uh, that we had seen, and, we, and you had even just mentioned it there. The dr- the difference I want to draw the comparison to is the Bobby Lashley video package before he got to the interview, the taped interview with Renee was also equally fantastic. Going over his career, going over his time in the military, wrestling for the army, all that. That was a great video package as well. Just like Bianca's was, where they went wrong with Lashley was with the interview. But I, whereas her interview I'm was great it, too. Well, they didn't really have an interview. Well, it was kinda, just her they, talking. They cut it through that. Yeah, she wasn't like yeah. directly talking to somebody. Right. 
but she was still intercut with talking about her life. And she came across as a lot like night and day, more relatable and more like an actual human being and not like a robot wearing a human skin. Yes. Um, See this scar. This is how I got this scar from when my sister hit me in the face. But I love my sisters so much. Anyway, thousand. All right. Well, speaking of machines, we got to go over and talk about just the most probably if you're on any kind of social media and follow any kind of wrestling, you saw some of this because as Mauro Ronaldo said, Ricochet is the human meme machine. And now that he's an NXT, all y'all going to know what we who followed him on the Indies and in Lucha Underground and New Japan know. And that is that Ricochet is the man. He's the one and only. If you didn't know, now you know. He came out and had a match with a debuting Don. Sorry, Donovan. Sorry. What are they calling him now? Something else. Chris Dijak. Dijak. Chris Dijak. Yeah, it's Donovan Dijak. Oh, I miss Donovan. Chris Dijak. Dijak debuted. Yes. yes. Six foot seven. Freak of a human being. 280 pounds. Something, yeah, 270. 270. Yep. And uh, he two- looks like Ivan Drago from Rocky three. Only Ivan Drago never did a freaking moonsault off right. the top rope. <laughs> we have only, by the way, we've only just begun to get in what Dijak can do. Yes. That this guy- was a very short match. Uh, also, we need to highlight the the history between Dijak and Ricochet working in PWG over the all last over, few years all over there all over yeah, sure but they they had a concentrated amount of time there so they are extremely familiar with each other yeah. work really well together the fact that we only got like a five to seven minute match out of these guys I was I was a little bit let down but what we got after the but, match but the match itself had a bunch of highlight spots oh, too sure. including Ricochet deadlifting the two hundred and seventy pound Dijak into a suplex. Which was Basically just a gut wrench, pull through gut wrench suplex, but gut wrench German, oh, just yeah. monstrous, monstrous strength. Ricochet looked like a million bucks in this match and landed his patented six thirty. Yep. Is it a senton that he senton. lands on six thirty yep. senton? Yeah. Two flips. So the audience was already just hyped as hell after this match. Uh, Ricochet, by the way, everyone is is like they didn't know, they did not know this about this guy, and now they're finding out, and so they're freaking out. And then out comes Velveteen Dream after the match to run down Ricochet and say, well, you're in a spotlight now, yep. but I'm going to take your spotlight, blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is we're seeing a Ricochet-Velveteen Dream feud. Fantastic. The moment here came when Velveteen basically said, oh, yeah, well, Velveteen can do anything that you can do as he walks back up the ramp, stands at the top of the ramp, and Ricochet, bless his heart, runs does a little spring off the back ropes, comes flying over, does a flip over the front ropes, and lands perfectly outside the ring on the ramp in front of Velveteen Dream, casually walks two steps up, gets up the mic and goes, show me. Oh, I, I just got goosebumps even talking about it, even thinking about him doing that. The audience lost their damn minds because it looked like something that, first of all, if you were anywhere near social media in the last 24 hours, you probably saw that. It got spoiled for me. I know I people that it, don't but. watch wrestling who saw this because it's just inhuman. Yeah. It's freakish. Um, and <laughs> I, I love Will Ospreay tweeted out, uh, oh, fuck off, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It, and he did it so casually. Like, yeah, if he wasn't over before. Just showing out, yeah. If he wasn't over before, he just, boom. He's And he's going to keep doing stuff like this. I'm just going to warn if you guys. If you like that and you've never watched it, go watch at least like the first 10 or so episodes of season one of Lucha Underground. It's on Netflix. You have no excuse, but you're going to get invested, I promise you. You will see Ricochet as, should I spoil it, Prince Puma. Who? 
Who? Who is that? I don't know you're talking about. Prince Puma on Lucha Underground doing all of these crazy spots that he does constantly in every single match. Go watch New Japan Best of Super Juniors. Him any any match yet against Will Ospreay or Kushida. I mean, just that's what they do. Yep. Anyway, that was really good. A match that I was not looking forward to, but ended up being a really great finish to the show. Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. Um, And it kind of went how I thought it would, just way more brutal which was a Dakota guy basically getting picked apart by Shayna and brutalized. Um, Shayna just breaking every one of her limbs. And and Dakota, by the way, I like this because Dakota's very flexible. Yeah. And so Shayna could put her legs and arms in weird contorted positions and make it look like she was twisting her limbs off. It's a good thing we had Nigel McGinnis on commentary to tell us about all of the ligaments and tendons yes. that uh, that she was twisting and contorting. Cathodic ligament in the rear of the leg. Um, oh, and he's got was, Achilles tendon as well. Uh, but so that was a great start to the match. It ended up uh, Dakota Kai fighting back, giving some great kicks. Uh, and then Baszler finally just putting the kibosh on it and choking her out, tap yeah. out. Care for you to um, clutch. And then, at the, and then coming back to do it again, but getting interrupted. Here's where it got crazy. Inter- getting interrupted by Nikki Cross. Yes! Who came out, intimid- like, acted her crazy self, intimidated Baszler out of the ring, stole her title, brought it back in, forced Baszler to come back in, and put together an impromptu match where Dakota Kai who forgot that she had just had a, her limbs ripped off and didn't sell a damn right. thing. Um, Nobody cared at that point. I, I didn't really care either, just nitpicking. But yep. uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> she was basically made the the referee by Nikki Cross. By Nikki Cross, who then gave the fisherman suplex to Baszler, picked up the one, two, three, and ran off with the title as though she had just won it, which was... Which into was, the crowd. Into the crowd. And I haven't seen an ending like that in I don't know how long where I was just sitting there going, what just happened? A referee finally comes out, uh, speaking of spray tans, and and just, you know, he's looking around like going, what the hell's going on? Which is kind of what we were all doing. Like, what the hell's going on? What What's happening here? So, uh, I don't know. I, what does this mean? Is Nikki Cross now the women's champion? Because uh, no. she decreed it? No, they... Uh, I think In her talking, own madness? You're talking about uh, Drake Wirtz, the, yes. the NXT ref? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Captain Orange himself. Yes. I love that guy. But uh, he... Yeah, he was as confused as we were. Just sitting there just going, what? You didn't win. The, the commentary said she was not the champ. But all this is is just building for the actual match. We'll probably see either Nikki Cross versus Baszler or a three-way, I think, is probably more likely. Probably a triple threat, yeah. Yeah, triple threat. So Might uh, even get a two-on-one handicap against Baszler. I could see that being a thing. That would be interesting, With too. Cross and Dakota Kai. Oh. Yeah. Well, at any rate, the bottom line is is I loved that. I thought it was a great way to end the show. I was I was definitely on the edge of my seat going, what the, what the heck? I'm interested now. I'm way more into the, the top of the woman's card than I was before, previous to this. So, great job there, NXT. Uh, the, you know, if I wasn't really excited about NXT, this is this episode this week, I mean, you had Lars Sullivan going for the championship. You had Nikki Cross coming out for the women's. You had Dijak and Ricochet in the ring together. I mean, this is... Lars Sullivan put a hurt on uh, Alistair Black. Yeah. Just, wow. 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 NXT just keeps getting better every week. Well, we want to talk about brands that are getting good and that have stayed good. 205 Live, we have to talk about. We have, we had a, a quick match, Lindsay Dorado and Kalisto versus uh, the Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. Pretty much a nothing match, setting up a, uh, a three-on-three uh, match between Lucha House Party and uh, Drew Gulak, Kendrick, and Gallagher. Gulak. Gulak. Um, the only other thing I have to talk about here is is just looking at everything here. It's all things equal. Is Lindsay Dorado more of the total package than Kaliso is? Like he should 100%. he be? The, he should he's be just the, less experienced. Than he Kalisto. should be the Kalisto's Kalisto's been around pushing, longer. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. 
I mean, Kalisto's had more of a career, but I think Lindsay Dorado, uh, he, we've yet to see him in fifth gear, and I yeah. think him in fifth gear would be really exciting. I, I don't. I'd have to see them more in the match in the, in, in the ring in matches like you know singles matches. I'd have yeah. to see more of Lindsay, but he's a better promo for sure. Oh yeah, big time. And, and physically looks better. So I don't know. That's just something I want to talk about before we got to the main event, the big match, the one that we were talking about for weeks as Buddy Murphy. Versus Cedric Alexander and Cedric's almost hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina. Yes. He's actually from About Charlotte. Two and a half hours from Charlotte. Ah, close enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Techno Viking versus the Cruiserweight champ. Uh, this is, I'd have to say, this was the biggest match feel since the induction of 205 Live. Like, as far as the audience being into this, like a big match, like this is, this means something. They were, I would go, I'd have to go back to the Cruiserweight Classic final. Um, that's the last I'd time I really felt this Live. way. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. it's, and it's definitely, you know what else I'll say? It was Cedric Alexander's best match since the Cruiserweight Championship as well. Yep. Um, we haven't seen a lot out of Buddy Murphy as a single, so it's easy to call this his, easy, his best match. Yep. It's easy to do that. For Cedric, absolutely welcome back. Welcome back to form. This was outstanding. They gave him a whole half an hour. That's plus. what I want to applaud right yes. there is, is Triple H and, and company giving them a full 30 minutes to work and and make this the match that we all really wanted it to be. Keeping the cameras calmed down. They didn't cut too quickly. They were always right on the faces, getting the expressions, getting the emotion, and then cutting away at the right time to get the moves, not doing any big zooms or shaky cams or anything like that. This was just filmed like a damn good match between two competitive wrestlers. And my God, these guys knocked it out of the park. Two things, two quick observations. One, the lumbar check looked amazing. Buddy Murphy sold stuff in this match better than I knew that he could. Uh, He looked fantastic doing that. He really made Cedric look like a a champion. They're both so damn crisp. And Buddy Murphy never landed his, uh, what do they call it, Uh, Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. That that crazy finishing move he has. So I'm wondering if there's something there. Like he just, that'll be the story of the the comeback and the rematch or whatever is he didn't get his his big move off, whatever. He couldn't get it done. That'll be his excuse, you know, as a heel making excuses, whatever. I, 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 I think it would. There's part two to this. I, I I feel like it was amazing, but I want to see more. I'm just left wanting more. To quote Dario Cueto, uh, I just thought that. Oh God, we just. How do we get this on a weekly show that's taped after SmackDown Live? Could you not wait three more weeks and build it to? Uh, 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 well, I wonder if we if money we're building to something else. I wonder if we're gonna have a stipulation match of some sort. Yes, please. You know what I mean? So yes, please. We'll we'll see. This we was have, that good. It needs we to haven't have a seen the cruiserweights coming. on Raw at all, so that's almost like they're not part of the. I mean, maybe they're trying to go somewhere else with it. I, I really hope so because if this is the kind of quality they're going to continue to pull out, and like you said, he didn't pull off his Murphy's Law. The the uh, what is it? A running brain buster? Something like that. Um, yeah. like, like a, a weird like a, version of a uh, what do they call it? Devil dri- not a devil driver. Death uh, Valley driver. Death Valley driver. It's like a pump handle into a Death Valley. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's cr- it's crazy. It's great. It's it's stolen from Japan, but whatever. It's so they all. But it's um <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'd love to see more more love given to this feud. I could see I could see more more legs in this feud between the two. And, but for a first title defense or second title defense, is a is a good one for Cedric. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, so let's let's move on and talk about New Japan. Uh, we are right in the middle of the best of the Super Juniors tournament right now. Uh, that goes until uh, June fourth, and then we have one of the big shows from New Japan, uh, uh, Dominion. On June right 9th, afterwards, where we have uh, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, part four. 
Uh, and if Kenny doesn't win, then Kazuchika Okada will hold every record in the modern era of New Japan as far as length of time holding wow. a title. Wow, wow, he wow. Will, he will actually pass them all. He just recently passed, uh, I believe, Masawa's record of 704. What's days? the last one he's got across? Sorry, it was 705 days. Uh, the last one he's got across for the modern era would be Kenta Kobashi. Uh, 735 days. Oh, God, right around the corner then. No, if he's got to beat Omega. Beats at Omega. Dominion, yeah. So at, right now, as far as New Japan, he's on the top of the mountaintop. He's only got a few more other like to pass them all in all of the different uh, promotions in I Japan. I can't see them not getting that done for him after this amount of time invested. Um, yeah, but I think it's it depends on if they're just looking just at their company or just across the board. You know what I mean? And they, they, they're they already kind of celebrating uh, online about his reign. Yeah. So it could be one of those things where they're celebrating this right now and then they're like, okay, cool. Now you can lose it to Kenny Omega and we'll see, and we'll have Kenny Omega go back to America for the G1 special as the champ and can consider both Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada will be at all in in September. So after the G1. Yeah. So okay. there's a lot of aspects of this. I could see it going either way. And you really never know. There's been a lot of times when I've said Kazuchika is going to drop it this time and he didn't. <laughs> I mean, compared to Brock Lesnar, I'm actually excited about this long ass reign because he actually has good title defenses. Right. He actually puts on matches that he actually 30, shows up 40, 50 minutes, an hour long. And they're classics. Half of his title defenses have been all time classics. Anyway, I'll rant about this every week until someone hears me. But <laughs> All right, best of the Super Juniors. Uh, there's really not much to say at this point. I'm going to have more to talk about next week because we're at, we're at the point now where everyone's got two matches left and everyone's pretty much tied up. Everyone's got either six points or four points. You pull it, You going for Osprey all the way on this? Um, you know, here's the thing. I could see Osprey pulling it off. I was originally saying Taiji Ishimori. Okay. Um, I think that he and Osprey oh, yeah, have remember you saying that unfinished business. But Osprey did this week challenge Rey Mysterio. If he wins the best of Super Juniors, he's going to challenge Rey Mysterio. He didn't say when, but I would assume either at Dominion or at the G1 Classic, well, the G1 Special, excuse me, here yeah. in at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. That would be a really good look for them to have Osprey and Mysterio at that uh, at that mm. show. Possibly even if Osprey wasn't the champ, but I think it'd be mean a lot more if he was still. Wasn't a champ. there something where Mysterio was supposed to come to Strong Style Evolved and he didn't show up? Bicep or he couldn't injury. come. He had a bicep injury. injury, so Osprey had to face. Um, there you go. So yeah, uh, Liger instead. So it's probably going to be. You're right at the G1. Mysterio G1 still special. had physicality at at Strong Style Evolved, so he they they definitely set up that it could happen. Marty Skrull got involved too, so oh, there's wow. a lot of aspects to okay. it. They could. They could still do if they wanted to. But yeah, so Best of Super Juniors, it's been killer. There's been a ton of great matches. Uh, it's, you can pretty much throw a dart at, the, at the, the board and find a good match. Of who's left, yeah. Um, no, of just of all of, of, the, all the matches. of all the matches. Yeah, it's, wow. it's, a, it's a round robin, so it's, you can pretty much pick up anywhere and watch a good match. Um, but so we'll get to the bottom of what's happening there probably next week when we're down to the finals. Um, although let's see the fourth. No, we'll know that we'll know the answers by then. So okay. we'll, we'll have our final wrap up on best of super juniors next week. Nice. Well, Hey, uh, to wrap things up here on the show, we do have a bit of a lightning round, some quick bullets of newsy type things to go through. Uh, first and foremost, PWG bask in his glory, Keith Lee. Uh, had his final show at the American Legion here it was, in Reseda. It was the final PWG show. Right. It was the final PWG. Right. At uh, the American Legion. And it was also Keith Lee's last show with PWG. Uh, as he Maybe said, even in the indies. Well, no, he actually, <laughs> as he said after his match, which he, by the way, lost via a low blow and a swanton from Adam Brooks. 
Uh, he came out. He asked the crowd, the crowd for the show. He's like, I wonder why is it that I'm losing all these matches lately this mm. last month? I don't know what's going on. Well, he's we're going, gonna he's we're gonna going have to Ricochet, Dijak, and Keith Lee in the NXT, and it uh, is going to be amazing. If they put Dijak and Keith Lee in a tag team, I will mark that. Out. Is probably one of my favorite matches that I've seen in the last year. Was when we went to see that at PWG last summer. It was Keith Lee, Dijak. Keith Lee, and Dijak, Donovan, Dijak, and that was Dijak's send off to WWE. Was yes, that it match, was so. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, apparently this was a really fun show. Unfortunately, we didn't obviously get to go, uh, but Bandito apparently is still stealing the show, uh, this time with his match against Robbie Eagles. And also the main event was the current champion, Walter defending against Sammy Guevara, that, that little Justin Bieber son of a bitch. Well, you know what? (laughs) I I wish I could have seen this match. I'm going to grab the the DVD and watch it because apparently Walter did his Walter thing and chopped Sammy's chest into hamburger. So Oof. check out Instagram if you want Sammy's Instagram if you want to see what he did to his chest. It's uh, it is gross. Ugh. It's gross. Well, hey, Don Callis also wants the kind of buzz over on Impact that New Japan seems to be getting. Yeah, he came, came out, out and, and said he, he came out and said that this week in an interview that he wants that New Japan buzz. And you know, I think Impact's got a long way to go for that. I, I understand what he's saying. Um, I think that's a that's an admirable. Uh, thing to try and go for but yep. the, the, the thing is new japan has had so much longer and has so much more money invested to be able to pull it off and there's much more talent over there i think they're they're heading that right direction but uh yeah we'll see i, I definitely i i like don Callis. i and he would know because he's been he's worked for new japan so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean I, I i hope the best for him speaking of japan uh stardom we're going over to stardom joshi here uh, wwe is throwing cash around they have all this extra cash. They're buying up people. I'm rich, bitch. And one of the people that they, <laughs> one of the people that they're they're going for Tony Storm, Deanna Parazzo was just announced to yes. been signed this week. Also, finally, looks like she's coming back. Like she she might have been medically cleared, not yet, but she hopefully will be medically cleared because she apparently cleaned up, cleared up whatever issues she had last time. Io Shirai, Io Shirai, arguably one of the best women wrestlers in the world. Um, originally she and Kyrie Hojo now known as Kyrie Sane, were supposed to come over together. Yep. Uh, she had medical issues, neck and heart issues that, uh, she could not get cleared for. So she went back to stardom. Um, and apparently she was really just emotionally hurt by the whole thing, especially when WWE came back and she saw Kyrie's face announcing that they were really happy to be back in WWE. And she thought that should be me. Cause she had a broken heart. Oh, dude, you're going to hell. Um, that's okay. I'll I'll be, I'll be right there with you, buddy. But, uh, yeah, it looks like she's officially coming back. Um, she has, she has officially quit stardom and, uh, allegedly is WWE bound has to clear medical still, but she would be starting around July 19th with Deanna Parazzo and a few other, other acquisitions. If that happens, they're obviously building up for the May Young Young Classic. classic. Yes, sir. Yes, Sir, uh, also one of our listeners, Philip Poole, thank you. You put up the UK tournament bracket up in our Facebook discussion group. Uh, if you want to see who all is involved in that, go check it out. Definitely some interesting matchups and some speculation as to who could be in the later parts of the brackets there. Travis, Travis, Travis fucking Banks. Yeah, I think this show is definitely going to take current progress title holder uh, Travis Banks all the way to the bank on yep. this one. Especially with no Pete Dunne, no Tyler Bate. Uh, they all I have saw other Flash matches. Morgan, I saw Flash Morgan Webster in there. That's an interesting... And for some reason, Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak is now in the UK. That's an interesting one as well. I can't see him winning that hole. And all most of those guys are over on the, the right-hand side. They're on the same block. So only one of them can get there. That's the interesting part. But Travis is over on the right-hand side of the bracket while all of those other guys are on the left. So Flash Morgan Webster, Drew Gulak, and Travis Banks to yep. me are the ones to watch. And there's a couple guys I'm not familiar with, so I'm very much looking for to yeah. being introduced to them, and which I think is the whole point of this kind of tournament. 
Um, another thing we need to talk about, it's been announced now. This is actually big, big, big news, especially considering All In. Uh, Cody has been announced to be facing Dalton Castle at uh, Ring of Honor, Honor United over in the UK. Same, same one that we're having the uh, Nick Aldis and Young Bucks match. Yep. Okay. Cody versus Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor Championship at Honor United, the rematch. Uh, if Cody gets this back and if Nick Aldis retains his championship, which it looks like he will, he's got a match between now and then, we could be seeing the NWA champ, the 10 pounds of gold, going up against the Ring of Honor champ, and they could unite those titles. Whoa. That could happen. I don't think it Are will. Are you talking about the promotions entirely uniting together after, I, off the back of that? I, no. Is that what we're speculating? Maybe. Ring of Honor and NWA becomes a becomes a thing. That's what they're teasing. Mm. That's I think they're teasing us with that. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen. I'll no, be I don't either. I'd, to be perfectly yeah, clear, Billy Corgan wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> I don't think so. He's trying to build his own thing yeah, right exactly. now. Exactly. But interesting to look at. Interesting to speculate. Um, another interesting thing that happened on the indies at AAW. Take no prisoners. Uh, Sammy Callahan and our boy Brody King got into it at ringside before the whole show started. Everyone's out there selling their merch. And uh, Sammy goes and gives Brody a friendly nut tap by the ring. Brody did not take well to it, and they jumped each other by the ring. Had to be pulled apart by other wrestlers and security. And uh, come on, Sammy! A- I mean, you you just did a hit a dude in the head with a bat. You know that we don't need this kind of stuff again Nick, from you, Nick. What? Don't get worked into a shoot, brother. Okay. okay. Yeah, this is this is it's Sammy Callahan doing the new kayfabe. He is now he is now living. The work, man. This I, I absolutely 100% am, am convinced this has worked uh, and that he is trying to put himself over as this loose cannon guy who's, you know, crazy to work with. He was cursing out the promoter on his way, being dragged out of out of the whole thing. He came, in for, he came in for a big brawl at the end of the show, too. So it's, yeah, this is absolutely, I believe, a, a, a worked angle. But man, is it fun. Man, is it fun. Go check out that. I'll, you know, I'll post that video in our Facebook group. It's, a, it's, it's fun to watch. Hey, you remember uh, Abby Lath from yes. the uh, May Young Classic? Yes. Uh, also known as Kimberly. She defeated Jessica Havoc for the AAW Women's Championship. At that very same show. Yes, yep. sir. Yep. Uh, it was the sixth defense for Jessica Havoc. Havoc. She could not hold on to it. I thought Abby had gotten into some kind of trouble with WWE or didn't get cleared for something. That's why she wasn't in NXT anymore. And I, I wasn't sure what was going on with her. So it's good to see her continuing to do well uh she actually had yeah she had some big issues with wwe where uh, she pissed off some people backstage and uh we'll tell that story another time i think we've told it before on the show but um real quick before we get out of here punk cabana the libel trial is underway cm punk and colt cabana who are being sued by uh the doctor uh dr aman the former wwe doctor they had their discovery uh on wednesday on the second day of the trial um there was some interesting stuff, you know, Dr. Aman admitted to giving Punk the Z-Packs without recording that he did. Uh, he, Aman said that he hasn't discussed the case due to HIPAA, and, but the lawyers revealed that he had texted Chris Jericho about it um, and that saying that Punk's medical condition was not as Punk had described it. Um, Aman wants money for emotional damage is what the trial is for. And the defense, of course, uh, Punk and Cabana are trying to show that there was no freaking damage. Amon, get over it. The most interesting thing that came out to the, of, of this for me was uh, when Punk was supposed to get eliminated. Uh, was it the Royal Rumble? Uh, no, Survivor Series. I'm trying to remember what match it was. I can't remember. Anyway, there was a call. Uh, he, The doctor went up. Punk didn't want to leave. He was supposed to just roll out and leave because he thought he, the doctor said he was concussed. He was seeing zigzags, all kinds of stuff. Punk refused to leave. So uh, th- from the back, they sent out Kane to eliminate 
him from the match. Yeah. And then Kane proceeded to put him through a table, choke slam through a table outside the ring. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. You're sending him somebody out to like. I believe that was Punk's last match with WWE. Yeah, if I, think I remember it was correctly, too. I remember how frustrated he was with at that. Now you could tell like he was kind of falling out of kayfabe. That it's entire been match. a couple of years since I listened to that Cabana interview uh, with Punk coming on and just telling that whole story. Ooh, and it's one was... of those things that I might want to go back and listen to again to kind of hear that. Now that we know the things that are coming out in this trial, so more to come on that. It's not over. That I think that's going to go on for for some time. This ain't big news yet, but it's going to be in our big news segment at some point. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, also, not. In our big segment big news segment this week because i'm so over it uh apparently john cena and nikki bella are back together uh work 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 that's work 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 i don't care this is they are they are fake plastic trees to me kardashians 2.0 it's kardashian only just even more gross real housewives of wwe even more gross yeah it is yeah but it's whatever it's all for their reality tv show thank you cena and 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 nikki for putting us through this and making us actually report on this. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. That's our show for this week. We've got three more weeks until Money in the Bank. We'll see if uh, Raw picks it up and starts becoming a little bit less cringy. Uh, We will also find out what happens next on SmackDown Live, on NXT, 205 Live, New Japan, Ring of Honor, all the rest of the stuff that we always cover. Please come back and find out what is happening and hear our take on everything that's happening in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. If you missed it earlier this week, be sure and go back and check out our anniversary show. It was our one-year anniversary this week, and we put out a great special for you guys, giving you some behind-the-scenes looks at what goes on, what our future plans are, and much, much more. So definitely check that out. Definitely come over and head uh, to Facebook and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group with the rest of the Warriors. You can follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Uh, If you want to support this show and you like what we're doing, we would love your support. Head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up to throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or your very own shoot promo right here on the show with myself and Sir Ian Dangerous. If you want to go get some sweet swag to let everybody know that BWO is your favorite wrestling podcast, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash store pick up a hoodie t-shirt coffee mug phone case or sticker whatever your heart desires and i know we say this every week but it really does help us if you hit that like share subscribe button anything that you have on your podcast app of choice leave a review if there's the option for that give us five stars give us some feedback let us know what you think of the show and uh if you have any critiques we'd love to hear them because we want to make this a better listening experience for you guys so please make sure you comment uh on anything that you might have uh whatever app you have and uh, let us know how you feel but I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Podcasts. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.